Most of us in healthcare are warm, caring people who are committed to keeping our patients safe and doing no harm. But there are some among us who do the unthinkable and betray our noble profession. On this podcast, we like to shine a light on the good and the bad. Each week, I'll be joined by another healthcare professional, and together we'll dive into these stories while chatting about nursing and healthcare along the way. I'm Tina, a registered nurse, and this is Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back to another week of talking true crime and nursing and healthcare. We throw a little bit of everything in there. This week, we definitely have a nice little hodgepodge of stories. I'm really excited about this because we're going to be kind of telling almost like a rapid fire little mini stories that are really fascinating and interesting and kind of Some of them are going to be sort of cautionary tales and bringing awareness about some issues. So I'd like to welcome my guest, the host this week, the nurse Erica. As many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with her. If you follow TikTok and are on Instagram, you know the nurse Erica. Erica, so good to have you back on the show. Thank you. I always enjoy being here. Thank you for having me. Well, really excited about getting to talk to you about these stories because I feel like this is going to be kind of right up your alley. These are the sort of stories that you like to bring awareness about on your social media presence This is the, on your account. These are the sort of things that you talk about, I feel like. So I feel like this is going to be a really good show and have a lot of good conversation about these issues. But before we get into these stories, I would like to remind everybody that we are having a really cool event in September. And I the nurse, you know, Erica, you're going to be there. And Mike with Simple Nursing is going to be there. I, he, this is going to be the coolest show ever. The nurse Jessica Seitz is going to be hosting as she did last year. We have so many other people. I mean, amazing people. And it's going to be fun. Like we're going to have a taco bar, a cash bar. We're going to have a music video. We're shooting a music video. We're going to play Family Feud. We're having a live podcast. And then there's going to be all these like educational sessions where these all these people who are really successful at their different specialties and their different niches are going to basically share their secrets and of what they do. Legalnurse.com actually is helping to sponsor the event. So, so thankful for them. And they're sending Robert Malaire, who is like an amazing legal nurse consultant. He's been doing it for a very long time very, very successful at it. And he's going to share his secrets and just kind of pull the curtain back and let us know about what that really cool specialty is all about. We have Dr. Kiana Jones that's going to explain about aesthetic nursing and how to get into that and so many other things. I cannot wait. Yeah. So basically, this is an opportunity for nurses not only to get to hang out with maybe some nurse creators that they would like to meet and spend some time one-on-one with them, but also an opportunity more so to find ways that you can work outside of traditional bedside nursing. So, you know, we're all getting burnt out and whether you are just looking for a way to earn a little bit of extra income on the side or you're looking to make a change entirely, 
there are going to be a lot of options there for you to consider. Yeah, for sure. And I still work at the bedside full time. And so I, you know, I don't want people to think we're trying to pull people away from the bedside. That is not at all what we're doing. There are people who are looking, genuinely looking for opportunities and just kind of learn something new and different, maybe in addition to your bedside nursing. So that's what this is for. It's a networking opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn new things and connect with people and have fun. And that's what it's all about. There is a virtual option. So if you can't be there, this is in Austin, Texas. So if you're anywhere in the area in September, of course, we would love to see you in person. But if you want, you can have access to it. We'll be live streaming it. And then we will also offer it as a recorded option that you can have access to for a year after the event. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. I cannot wait. Are you thinking about going back to school to get a master's degree, maybe a family nurse practitioner degree? Well, it's so important to choose the right program. Samuel Merritt University's MSN FNP program has a 100% employment rate after six months. Unbelievable. And Samuel Merritt University has been kind enough to continue to sponsor our podcast, and they want us to let you know they're continuing to offer a $10,000 scholarship to anyone enrolled in their MSN, DNP, or family nurse practitioner programs. If you're interested in getting more information about about these programs, you can visit them at smumsn.com. That's smumsn.com. And of course, we'll put that link on our website if you want to just go to goodnursebadnurse.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. So I guess we can get started with the bad nurse story. This is definitely something different for me. I have not done anything like this before. It is bad fired nurses. So these are nurses. These are actual stories ripped from the headlines, as they say about nurses who have been fired really in situations where we kind of have a hard time defending some people. And we're going to talk about it. We'll jump into it and kind of talk about these different issues. I am definitely the type of person that I understand that we make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. I can't even open a door without making a mistake. But at the same time, I also have to realize that I have to own the consequences of my actions and you know, what we choose to do as a profession has very real world consequences and ramifications when we, you know, are choose to have bad judgment, you know. So we're gonna get into these stories. They're really interesting. This first one is Sierra Samuels. She was a neonatal intensive care unit nurse. So NICU nurses are to me amazing nurses. I am absolutely, I just completely tip my hat to them. They, I mean, to take care of these tiny, tiny little humans, you know, and, and the equipment that they use and these critically ill, little, tiny, tiny babies, I feel like it's just amazing. I don't, I feel like I couldn't do it just because I'm so I tend to empathize way too much and I would get too emotional and take it home with me. And I so applaud nurses who I know are just as empathetic as I am, but somehow are able to compartmentalize that and, you know, galvanize and strengthen themselves to be able to care for these babies. Absolutely. I've worked in NICU many times over the years. My background is in pediatrics. And so 
we're kind of in the same world and we would float there and work there. And it's very specialized. Absolutely. Definitely. So this is, she's a neonatal intensive care unit nurse. She was terminated from her job at Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami because it was confirmed that she posted photos of a baby born with a defect on her social media accounts. So the captions that accompanied the photos of this newborn with gastroschisis, which is, of course, a birth defect of the abdominal wall that causes the baby's intestines to protrude from the body. So her post read, quote, my night was going great, then boom, your intestines post to be inside, not outside, baby. And then she put hashtag gastroschisis, according to media outlets that first reported the story. In my opinion about this, Erica, I don't necessarily think this makes her a bad nurse, but I think it's bad judgment. I think it's unfortunate that she just didn't think Well, about it. it's clearly a HIPAA violation and a huge lapse in judgment. I, there's no way that you can be a nurse in this day and age and not know that that would be a HIPAA violation. You cannot ever post pictures of patients, even like the back of a patient or a part of a patient. You just cannot. And that's so well known and drilled into us. So I don't know what she was thinking. I really don't. Yeah. I think that there are just nurses who, I don't know if this was a new grad. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but there are nurses who for some reason think that if there's not a, if their face is not in there, if there's no quote identifiers such as name, date of birth, you know, actual identifiers that, that it's not HIPAA violation. But if they're if there is any way to put two and two together and figure out who that person is, it is a HIPAA violation. And so if you have a condition that's as rare as gastroschisis, when you have a baby, you know, you're talking about real time here, you know when that baby was born, you know where this particular nurse works, you can put all the pieces together. It's not very common. So Chances are there may have only been the one, maybe two, in the NICU at that time with that diagnosis. So, If the parents or family members of that baby came across that post, it would definitely be identifiable. And that definitely meets the definition for a HIPAA violation. And that's what people have to realize. You cannot say anything. It's just best to just not say anything at all. Certainly don't post pictures. Don't take pictures. I remember taking care of a patient one time who had horrible, horrible wound from a, and I could say this because this is a relatively common thing that happens, but it was an infiltrated IV and they ended up losing their arm. And so our educator wanted us to take a picture of this wound to use it to help educate nurses on how important it is to assess your IV sites, especially when you have a peripheral IV and you have medications dripping into those IVs like norepinephrine and phenylephrine and you know those medications that can be vesicants if they get outside of the vein and into the tissues. And that's what happened with this patient. It infiltrated and it just ate up his tissues and he lost his arm. And it was just awful. But I remember being like, I'm going to take a picture of this. I don't want to take a picture. So they 
you know, they did it. The educator came and did it. But I remember just being like, I'm not taking pictures of patients. I'm uncomfortable even doing like the wound care patient. Like you take the take a picture and put it in the file. Right. Well, that's the other thing is you're not supposed to be in possession of a picture of a patient on your phone. Oh, no. That's why they typically have separate phones and cameras mm-hmm. on a unit to document these things. Or if you need to send a picture to a provider. But I doubt very seriously that this nurse used the hospital camera or phone and then posted it to her social media, which means she used her own personal cell phone more than likely. And that's a whole other issue. Right. Nope. Yeah, you definitely cannot do that. So I'm, again, not saying that she is a bad nurse, but I definitely think it's a terrible, terrible lapse in judgment. So then we have another story about a nurse from Kentucky. Her name is Lori Vinson. She was fired after she admitted that she entered the U.S. Capitol during January's violent insurrection. She says that she'd do it all over again. She informed local news outlets that she was glad that she participated in the riot because it was a moment that she'll remember 30 years from now. She said, people have asked, are you worried you've done that? She said, absolutely not. I am not sorry for that. I would do it again tomorrow. So despite being unemployed, she said she has no regrets. I was there for a peaceful protest, and that's what I was doing, she told the media outlet. I felt like I have done nothing wrong, and I wouldn't change it. The nurse added she felt like a tourist at the Capitol, claiming that police didn't stop the crowd from entering the building. She said the doors were open, people were filing through, There were no signs that said, do not enter. So there were no cops saying, don't come in. Benson and her husband, who also attended the insurrection, were later sentenced to to five years probation, a $5,000 fine, $500 in restitution, and 120 hours of community service. And it's reportedly the biggest fine and longest probationary sentence given out yet to the over 600 defendants charged in connection with the Capitol riot which I found odd. I mean, I kind of followed that story a little and I was thinking these people are in big trouble. So I'm a little bit surprised to hear that. Again, I think a lapse in judgment, at least. How could you be there and think that it was a peaceful protest? Maybe she thought that going in, but at some point that must have turned clearly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, she even if you thought it was regret. Even if you thought it was peaceful in the beginning, if you, in retrospect, you would think that you would look at that and go, ooh, that was, wish I hadn't done that. But no, she kind of doubled down on it and went, nope, glad I did it, would do it all over again. The federal judge said he decided against a jail sentence for her, even though prosecutors had sought a 30-day jail term because of the additional costs imposed on taxpayers when somebody is detained and due to the couple caring for several low-income and handicapped residents in their Western Kentucky community. So I feel like, you know, the judge looked at this and said, she's just, will better serve the community outside of jail than inside. And he had other ways of issuing punishment for what she did. And really spending 30 days in jail, it doesn't sound, I mean, it doesn't sound like the $5,000 fine and the $500 restitution and the community service and all that stuff. And the 30 days in jail, none of that is going to make her think that she did something wrong. I don't think she's, so 
I don't know. Like what you the, said, she doubled down. It doesn't uh-huh. sound like she has regrets or remorse. So then we have J- Cheryl James, a nurse in Detroit, took to social media to vent her anger and frustrations after working to save the life of, quote, an accused cop killer. The posting followed the shooting death of Taylor Police Corporal Matthew Edwards in July 2010. James was one of the nurses who helped treat the accused shooter, Tyress Matthews, at Oakland Hospital in Detroit after the incident. Her Facebook post remarked that she had come face-to-face with a, quote, cop killer and that she hoped he, quote, rotted in jail along with other obscene comments. The hospital that fired James advised that she violated HIPAA by posting protected health information on Facebook and by making disparaging remarks about a patient. Again, you have to realize that if you're talking about this incident that probably everybody in your community is talking about, you can't say, hey, I took care of that patient. You can't do that. You cannot do that. I think people don't maybe don't realize it. That's HIPAA violation. Yeah. Another huge lapse in judgment, you know, just stay off of social media. If you are a healthcare provider, especially in this day and age, you should not be posting anything about a patient, no matter how abstract you think it might be, you know, you're just opening yourself up to liability doing that. You cannot say anything about a specific patient. You cannot, especially in real time, when you know that something is happening right then you know you're you just took care of this patient yesterday or or today and you just got home you can't go on social media and be like I just took care of this patient and this is going on that's going on it's too easy for that patient or a family member to come along and go wait that's my family member my family members at that hospital right now you know you that is so it's one thing to say that you had it that you took care of a patient with xyz disease you know, Mm -hmm. 20 years ago as a new grad, Mm -hmm. right? That's different than talking about something in real time. Yeah, nurses get fired for that all the time. And it's shocking to me where, you know, I I worked at the hospital where Tupac Shakur died. And there were nurses and healthcare providers at that time that were terminated for accessing the chart because they didn't have a reason to. Right? Same kind of thing. Like, you have got to stay away. Mm -hmm. Keep it private. You have no business. And I'll also say that as a nurse working at the bedside, you cannot, you have to realize that you are going to take care of people sometimes that you might not like. That You're going to take care of people who've done horrible things. You have to be able to take care of everyone the same way. You may not like them. You may not like something they've done. You may, in your heart of hearts, even hate them. You know, you may just think this is a horrible person. But you have to be able to separate yourself from that and do whatever you have to do to take excellent care of them, just like you would anyone else. If you don't have the ability to do that, you cannot work at the bedside. You just can't. A hundred percent. We are not given the luxury of being able to be judgmental. That is not our job as a nurse. We should not sit in judgment. We are there to take care of them, regardless of the situation that led up to it. Yes, that's exactly right. No one is going to blame you if you say 
I can't do that. I can't separate it out. I can't take care of someone that I know just killed a police officer or that I know just hurt a child or whatever it is. You can't, nobody would blame you for that. I wouldn't blame you for that. But then you have to walk away because you don't know when you're going to be put in that situation. If you're working, especially like in an emergency department, you're working in trauma, you're working at the bedside, really anywhere it could happen that you could be taking, you could be working on a med surge floor and get a patient maybe that came in with a gunshot wound, but now they're doing better, but they still need to spend another night in the, you know, in the hospital. And if you get, you know, get wind of what they did, you know, there, there are some nurses that I know that will, and I saw a video on, on, it was either TikTok or Instagram the other day about this, like that one nurse who is able to look up all the dirt on patients. So you have a patient that comes in, they're, they have a police officer at the bedside, they're handcuffed to the bed rail. I've cared for many patients like this before. And there's always that nurse who goes and like starts looking up their arrest record and trying to figure out what they did. And then they start passing around. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, please, I don't want to know. I don't want it to even come into, I don't even want to be doubting myself whether I can overlook it. Don't tell me. I don't want to know because it's it can be very challenging I know for me personally the hardest part again working in pediatrics is we would have say a father that we knew was most probably the one that caused the injury to an infant or a child but CPS or police department were still in the process of investigating and They are still the parent with parental rights, and they are allowed to visit. And so there is nothing quite like having to teach the parent that you know caused this neurological devastation that the child will never recover from, how to now take care of the child's trach, G-tube, etc. It's very humbling, and you want to rip their head off. (laughs) But you don't get to do that. And, you know, we're professional and we are obligated to still do our job in a professional manner. Yeah. And we're not robots. You know, we come home and we have to, you know, I've taken care of many patients before who said things to me that were insulting, that were degrading, you know, that that would just really get under my skin. Um, I've had patients that have said things about other staff members that bothered me so much. And I have to just kind of check myself and just say, I'm still going to take care of this patient as much as I don't like them because of the things that they said or the way that they've acted. I will still care for this patient just as good as I've taken care of everybody else. I'm not going to go into that patient's room less. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. I don't know what people do, but not educate them on something or not bring them something that they need. I don't know. It's just if I got to a point that I felt like I couldn't give the same care to those people, it's time for me to step away. Like, it's just not good. Yeah, absolutely. 
There are so many amazing nurse creators out there right now. How would you like to come to a really cool city, Austin, Texas, and not only get to meet some of these most fascinating nurses, but get to learn from them how they became successful. We're meeting up in Austin, Texas on September 24th at an absolutely adorable art gallery where we're going to get to hear them teach masterclasses on everything from Facebook to TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and even me. I'll tell you all about podcasting, how to get sponsors, all of that stuff. Not only are we going to have masterclasses, we're also going to have a fun evening of entertainment and food, taco bar. Dinner and non-alcoholic beverages are included in the ticket, and then we're also going to have a cash bar. So hurry and get registered because tickets are on sale right now with an early bird price and in-person tickets are limited. So I can't wait to see you all there. Go to nursecreatorcon.com to register. That's nursecreatorcon.com to register. Or we also will put the link on our website at goodnursebadnurse.com. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD Stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil. What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you? The cream I put on every day after work. I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well-rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past. I didn't realize that about the feet and I have plantar fasciitis. So now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products, greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Be sure and put the forward slash good nurse, bad nurse in there so they know that we sent you there. cbdstat.care, be sure and put .care instead of .com forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Well, there's another story, and this is quite disturbing for me just to, because of the way that it ultimately ended up. It's really sad. A Canadian nurse has been fired after an Indigenous woman was filmed screaming in pain and being insulted by staff. So the mother of seven, Joyce Echequan, had gone to the hospital in Joyette, Quebec, complaining of stomach pains. She filmed herself calling for help before two female hospital staff can be seen entering the room and saying in French that she was, quote, stupid as hell. The nurses told the indigenous woman that she made bad life choices and was asked what her children would think if they saw her in that state. And she said, well, that's why I came here. Echequan had complained that she was being given too much morphine. And she died a short time later. That's, that is so incredibly sad to, to think. It, the reports say that her death was not connected to the hospital care and that, it, that the nurses didn't have anything to do with her death, that they were literally two completely separate incidents. But it definitely didn't condone the way that the nurses acted. But it is so troubling to me to think that that was that woman's last moments. 
Yeah, that's horrifying. And you really have to wonder if you are able to verbalize that you're giving me too much morphine, which is not a common thing that you hear from patients, right? And then you die a short time later. Oof, oof. Yeah. And not good. I know. And one of the reports said that they didn't do an autopsy because they they didn't. I know. I thought that was interesting because I was kind of surprised, but they said they didn't. They did not suspect any kind of foul play that her death. Somehow they knew that her death was completely, you know, related to something else, and they didn't feel like it was necessary. Although they were definitely not condoning the actions of the nurses in the film in the in, in the video. That's just so, unfortunate. I know. That's a really sad way. story. So there's a pediatric ICU and ER nurse in Texas that was fired for violating HIPAA by posting a protected health information, by posting protected health information on a social media website. She posted a series of comments on Facebook about a rare case of measles at the children's hospital that she worked at. So she, this particular nurse was an anti-vaxxer, and she posted about the experience of seeing a boy at the hospital suffering from the disease, a disease that could have been prevented through vaccination. She remarked that the case she saw was much worse than she expected it to be, as she had not encountered anyone with the disease in the past. She commented that it was, quote, rough seeing the boy suffer from the disease. And she also explained in her post that she said, I think it's easy for us non-vaxxers to make assumptions, but most of us have never and will never see one of these diseases. And by no means have I changed my vax stance, I never will, but this poor kid was bad off and as a parent I could see vaccinating out of fear. So an official from Texas Children's Hospital confirmed the nurse lost her job as a result of violating hospital policies and federal laws by posting protected health information on social media and not for her anti-vaxxing views. I mean, the thing is, like, you you can be- you can believe that it's wrong to you know that it's wrong to vaccinate, or that you don't, you know you don't want to vac- vaccinate your children or whatever. That's your right to believe that, but you can't ha- take care of a child or even hear about a child in your hospital that has a very rare disease. Clearly handful of these cases so that then you start talking about on social media and again everybody knows who you're talking about it's that's literally a HIPAA violation and again these things are these stories are all over the internet of nurses doing stuff like this I remember when that one happened and you know my my opinion is just you really probably shouldn't be working in pediatrics in general if you're an anti-vaxxer, right? Because this is kind of the core of pediatric medicine is, you know, childhood immunization schedules and all of that. But that being said, you can't post about it. Again, you can't. And that's an identifiable situation, like you said, because we don't see it that often anymore because of vaccines. But you cannot be doing that. It's too easy for people to figure out Mm -hmm. where you work and put it together. Right. Even if she had been pro-vaccination, you know, if she is, 
using it as an opportunity to say, look, this is why I believe in vaccinating your children. This was a horrible, it was horrible to see this. You cannot do that. You're Anybody in that state is going to know, oh, there's that one case of the measles. You are talking about that one case. We now know that that one case is at that hospital. And even if that was already in the news and people knew that already, you everyone still knows you're talking about that person. They know the patient you're talking about. You cannot do that. And I think that's what people don't get. They really somehow think there's some loose definition, you know, of a HIPAA violation that allows for some freedom to be able to talk about these situations if they're not saying anything real specific or they're not like saying their name or uh, that's not the case. It's just not the case. Yeah. And it's so easy to figure out where people work right now, you know, not only with cancel culture and social media, but even if you don't have it posted where you work, There might be a picture of you with a hospital logo on something, and people will do the deep dive and go through all of your posts and put two and two together, and they'll figure out exactly where the patient is, and they will link it back to you. Oh, absolutely. And if you could have people in your personal life who know you and know where you work and even follow you on social media, but don't necessarily like you real well. That does happen. And they see something like this and they can just pounce on that right away and go, I know that nurse actually works at this particular hospital. So they have to be talking about this particular patient. I mean, that's all it takes. I remember several years ago, there was a nurse who was sitting in the ICU. I talked about this a few weeks ago, but she was sitting in the ICU. I think she was a kind of a new grad. She was a pretty new nurse. And she just posted on social media something like, sitting in the ICU board, I wish somebody would code so I'd have something to do. And it's what she said was, of course, I don't, I have no part of me believes that she actually meant that. She did not really want someone to die just so she would have something to do or someone to, you know, their heart to stop or for them to go into respiratory arrest or anything like that. But I know she was being... Poor you know, taste. She was Poor just being taste. facetious. She was just being playful. Yeah. In all honesty, let's be real. She was bragging about the fact she's an ICU nurse and that she could save somebody's life if they were... You know what I mean? Like that was her kind of like backhanded way of being like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a badass nurse who could save someone's life. That was really sort of a braggadocious post in a roundabout way. And it backfired on her big time because she did get fired for that because people were so outraged. Like, why would you say something like that? She didn't even violate HIPAA. She didn't say anything about any particular person. She just posted that while she was at work. And yeah, her employers did not find that at all funny or appropriate. Well, and social media policies for organizations these days are just becoming more and more stringent. And so they can, depending on the policy, discipline you or terminate you for simply posting on social media at all while you're at work, Mm -hmm. even if it has nothing to do with patients or HIPAA or anything. If they can see the timeline and know that you were actually on the clock at work at that time, Mm -hmm. they can get you just for that. 
There are some hospitals that have it in their policy that even on your lunch break, even though you're technically clocked out, if it falls within that 12-hour, 8 to 12-hour period that you are at work in the hospital, you are not allowed. Here's where I find a little bit of a problem with that. There are lots of people, I know you do this, Erica, who make posts and then will have them scheduled to release at different times. Yes. They can. That gets complicated. And people yeah. that don't do social media don't understand that or appreciate that. Right. I mean, I can tell you as a content creator, I consistently have at least 30, 40 drafts ready to go in my draft folder. And that's common. I will, you know, pick, pull something up, post it real quick. And I may have done it a month ago. Yeah. And there are people that have social media managers who can post for them. You can there are apps that you can use that literally will allow you to schedule posts to be released at certain times. So you may have set this up the night before or days before, and it's scheduled to release, and it's going to release at two o'clock in the afternoon while you're working, and you have nothing to do. Your phone could be at home, and it's doing this. So it gets a little bit complicated. So I don't know when it comes right down to it. In a lot of states. Hospitals can fire you for no reason at all. So think about that. In the state of Tennessee, this is an employee-at-will state. So I can leave for any reason and not be held, you know, liable, you know, for shirking my responsibility. And they can fire me for absolutely any reason other than a you know, handful of obviously yeah, protected, nine, um, right. protected classes. Right. Yeah. Outside of those, though, they can certainly fire me for any reason. So if they say, you know, you're posting these things and I come back and say, no, that was scheduled, it really doesn't matter, does it? Because they can fire me for any reason at all. So just kind of keep that in mind, you guys, when you're doing these things. I, we're clearly, Eric and I are both on social media. You know, I do this podcast. We're kind of, we put ourselves out there. I do it because, and I know Erica does it too, because, you know, we want to bring awareness about these things. We love the nursing profession. We love nurses. We recognize that there are injustices that happen and there's things that go on and we want to bring awareness to those issues. And we also want to educate nurses and healthcare professionals about maybe some of the stuff that they're not aware of. You know, if you're not, you don't realize it, you can make a mistake and get in trouble for something you didn't even know that you weren't supposed to be doing. So that's sort of why we do this. I've been telling nurses from day one, do not, whatever you make any uh, TikToks or any social media videos at work, just don't do it. Even if it's your lunch break, anything, just don't do it. It's such a slippery slope. The way that they write these social media policies now are so tight that yeah, you just, you're playing with fire if you do that. Yeah, I will say there is a an article, and this is not a nurse, and we're going to get into the, the good nurse stories now, I guess. And before we start talking about the actual stories that I have, I did want to comment on this one story that I saw in the media recently. It is a, about a, a woman who works in the tech industry, and she posted on social media how much 
money she makes and what her that she got an increase in salary. So something like she was making, and I'm making this up, it's maybe she was making 70,000, now she's making 90. She got like a $20,000 increase in her salary. So she went on social media to basically just expose that and talk about it and be transparent and say, look, I changed jobs and got this much money, or I asked for more money and I got it. Now I'm making $20,000 more. And her purpose in doing that was to try to empower other women to step up and ask for more money. And a lot of younger professionals are being more transparent about their wages because they recognize that employers use that sort of taboo policy that people think, oh, you're not supposed to talk about money. They use that against you because they say, oh, they absolutely do. Oh, you shouldn't talk about how much money you make. Well, if you talk about how much money you make, then everybody knows that all of these women are making so much less than these men and that these people of color are making so much less of these, you know, their white colleagues and that sort of, you know, all of these discrepancies that, that happen. If you are transparent, that stuff comes to light and employers don't want, you know, to, they don't want us talking about that stuff. That's the only reason is they don't want us getting upset and fighting back and insisting on more because we find out that there are pay discrepancies. That's it. That's the only reason. I am a big proponent of, you know, being transparent with pay. We need to know within reason what each other is making. There is the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB.gov. If you go there, you will see that it is literally illegal for them to fire you because you were talking about how much you make. So this woman who went on social media and was transparent about how much money she makes, and then she literally was fired because her employer... She says that her employer told her that we're going to let you, we are going to let you go because we feel like that was a poor judgment to go on social media and tell how much you make. Uh-uh. If you you go read the on the website of the National Labor Relations Board, go read the policy. That if that's exactly how that happened, she definitely has grounds for a lawsuit. There is no doubt about it. I mean, there is there are laws protecting us. We absolutely can talk about how much money we make. They cannot fire you because you talked to your coworker or anybody and told how much money you make. And I think that is a policy that companies, that employers have been using all along to keep people making less money. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. It's a control mechanism. That's it. To For them to get away with accountability. Absolutely. So I wanted to bring that up, even though it wasn't nursing related, just because it kind of is, because that gets us too. We don't, we think we're not supposed to talk about how much I make $23 an hour. I make $25 an hour. I make $26. You know, like you don't want to say it out loud. And what you find out is that oftentimes new grad nurses are being paid more than a nurse that has 10 years of experience because they don't, you know, they had to bump it up to, mm-hmm. to get the new grads in, but they don't want to do that across the board fair market analysis and wage adjustment to make it fair. So they don't want you to know. Nope. And in the state of Tennessee, they recently, there were several hospitals and no one's accusing anyone of collusion. So I would never come right out and say that any hospitals were colluding with each other because that would be illegal. And I would never accuse hospitals of doing something illegal. 
But having said that, (laughs) somehow, magically, all of these hospitals in Tennessee at the same freaking time increased their all nurses pay to like $30 an hour across the board. It went from all the all new grads making like $18 an hour, $19 an hour, and like the occasional horrible hospital that nobody wants to work at, maybe $20, $21 an hour. But pretty much across the board, everybody all new grads making the same thing to hey, we're going to if you have 3 years experience bam, you're going to make $30 an hour. If you have been working for, I don't care if it's three years or 30, you're going to make $30 an hour. And so you have, all of a sudden, everybody knows what everybody's making because they all made this policy. And so then nurses who were already leaving the bedside anyway in Tennessee started leaving in droves because they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been a nurse for seven years. I've been a nurse for eight years. I've been a nurse for 10 years, and I'm making the same money that this nurse is making that's been working for three years. Because I know when I had been a nurse for three years, I still felt like a new grad. I still needed the nurses who were been there for five, 10, 15, 30 years. I was leaning on them heavily because guess what? We need them there, and they should be making a lot more. So it really upset a lot of people. And that whole wage transparency happened just because that just because the hospitals were like, hey, we got to do something. We got to do something to pay them more money. Let's pay them $30 an hour. All of a sudden, all the hospitals started doing that at the exact same time across the state. And there was meetings between the CEOs and the CFOs of the different hospitals. And they got together and found an agreed upon rate so that None of them would come out slightly ahead, and then the others would have to bump it to keep up. It's just, it was a Christmas miracle is what happened. And somehow, they just all (laughs) magically came up with the same number. It was unbelievable. So no, but really, there were so many nurses in the state of Tennessee that just were like, huh, forget this. I'll do travel nursing. I can drive an hour and a half from my house. I can drive two hours from my house. It was so insulting, so incredibly insulting. We've already been dealing with, you know, being disrespected. We've already been dealing with not being paid what we know we are worth for the amount of responsibility that's placed on our shoulders from the amount of education that we're required to have. And then for this to happen, it really was just such another slap in the face that so many nurses have left and they're not coming back. It's really struggling right now to figure out how to get nurses back. And I I don't know, it's frustrating, but I digress. I don't know about you, but I have to have coffee every morning before I go to work. And lately I found myself needing more and more coffee just to get that awake and alert feeling. Well, I got this email from a company called Magic Mind, and they sent me this little elixir that I drink every morning, in addition to my coffee, because I ain't giving that up. And it has this ingredient in it called L-theanine that helps the caffeine in my coffee to last longer and to be more effective for me. So I kind of look at it as the opposite of taking melatonin on the nights before I have to work that sort of helps shut my mind down. So this has ingredients to help wake my mind up and just help me you know, be able to focus more and be more alert at work. So of course, this is in no way giving any medical advice or guaranteeing that it's going to work for you in the same way it works for me. But I, I mean, I found it to be beneficial and hey, you might too. Just go to www 
www.magicmind.co forward slash nurse and enter the promo code nurse20. That's www.magicmind.co forward slash nurse and then use the promo code nurse20. And of course, we'll put that link on our website. If you want to, you can go to goodnursebadnurse.com. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Litman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Litman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes this stethoscope so amazing, um, you can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. So to get into these good nurse stories. So this one is interesting because these are kind of like nurses who were fired for reasons who were kind of that, that were kind of unwarranted. So this particular nurse, long-term care nurse fired for not falsifying documentation, okay? This is insane because I've literally done stories about nurses who have been have gotten in trouble because they documented things that they didn't really do. And so I literally am telling people like you, you can't doc if you didn't do it, don't document it. You're going to get in more trouble for saying you did something falsifying documentation. She's fired because they try to get her to, doc- to falsify documentation. This is driving me insane when I read these stories. The report was denied by the organization, but as a result, the RN was asked to complete an assessment of the entire facility for bed rail use. Okay, the RN did the assessment and documented her results. So here's the thing. There's a patient uh, that... <laughs> I know you guys are probably, people who work in hospitals probably get this, but we cannot put all four bed rails up in a bed because it's considered a restraint. It's literally, you cannot do it. You can't say, oh, this patient is confused. They may fall out of the bed. I'm going to put all four bed rails. No, you can't do that. That's considered a restraint. You have to have at least one down. So this nurse is saying that her facility was accused of negligence in failing to use bed rails properly to prevent residents from falling out of the bed. So, according to the RN, the administrator told her bed rails were not to be used to define the parameters of a resident bed and that if the bed rails were being used to prevent a resident from falling, they should be removed. This is so confusing to me. That's like the whole thing is completely backwards and doesn't make any sense. A resident's family member raised concerns about the removal of the bed rails from her sister's bed. She was worried because she's saying, hey, if you take the bed rails down, then my sister could fall out of the bed. 
Well, here's the thing. Like, the thing is that you, people have the right to fall according to Medicare and Medicaid services. They, according to our government, you have the right to fall. If a person wants to get up and get out of the bed and they fall, you can't say, oh, no, you may fall, so I'm going to hold you down. You can't do that. So in this case, the resident's family member is wanting them to use the bed rails, and they're upset. They're saying, wait, why are you taking the bed rails away? The administrator denied that the bed rails were removed intentionally. So the resident was, this is a terrible, terrible situation. The resident was found deceased on the floor the next day. And the RN was asked to change her documentation of the assessment. That's no, absolutely not. No Never way. change your documentation. No. Never. Mm-mm. It is what it is. Whatever you put, if I mean, if you put the if you put accurate information there to begin with, you cannot go back and change the documentation to suit whatever, you know your employer wants it, however your employer wants it to sound, or if you think it sounds better or no, you have to make your documentation show what actually happened and then deal with the consequences of what, I mean, nine times out of 10 in these situations, if you document something and it, and you were in, you know, you were quote negligent or you you gave inadequate care, it's because you probably had too many patients to take care of and you literally couldn't get in there. If you can't round on your patients every hour because you have six or seven or eight patients, then you can't round on your patients every hour. That is not on you. Right. Do not chart that you rounded on them, no matter how much pressure your manager or administration may put on you, and I've seen it firsthand, and they will tell you, it is a policy, you are obligated, you must chart this, Q hour, on the hour, whatever it is. There are nurses everywhere around the country right now that are getting not only fired, but criminally prosecuted and charged for falsifying documentation because there are cameras everywhere now and they can prove you didn't go into the room at 9 a.m., but you charted you did this at 9 a.m. Well, the nurse may very well have done it at 8.50 or 9.10, but that's not what they charted. They were doing what they were told by the policy and charted it charted it the time that it was you know, supposed to be done, but that's not accurate. You need to chart things in real time or else eventually it's going to catch up with you. It's so complicated because I know that as a nurse who's continue, who works at the bedside right now, there are so many times when you're literally going from room to room, doing one thing after another, and you're having to be reactive because you don't have enough time to stop and, you know, go to the computer and document as you're doing things. So you're just like taking care of this patient and then going and taking care of this patient and going and taking care of this patient. And you're just trying to safely and adequately and appropriately care for your patients and give them excellent care, providing them, you know, doing your interventions the way you're supposed to in a timely manner, giving their medications on time. And then you have a, a moment, you know, several hours later to sit and catch up on your charting and you go to sit down and you're like, I actually don't know if I was in that patient's room during the seven o'clock hour or not. Maybe I wasn't. It's really, really hard, but they require 
that you say you rounded on these patients every two hours or however, whatever the poli- you know, some of these policies are at these hospitals. So nurses, they know they're going to be audited. They know they have educators. They have so many people in positions in these hospitals that literally their job is to sit there and look through documentation, look through charting, and then call you out on it. Hey, you didn't document that you check these restraints every two hours. You have to document them. No, I mean, you have to document it like six o'clock hour, eight, 10. You can't document it like nine o'clock. You have to document that you did it at eight. Well, I wasn't in there at eight. Oh yeah, but you have to document that you did it at eight. But I wasn't nope. in there. At it eight. is your documentation. <laughs> you document it mm-hmm. the way that it happened, regardless right. of what they tell you. Now, can they fire you in some states that, you know, there, there's no union, there's no laws to protect you? Sure, they can. But I'd rather be fired than lose my license for being accused of falsifying documentation. Only chart it when it happened. And if it didn't happen at all, I'm encouraging nurses these days to make a one simple little note, unable to provide XYZ care due to inadequate staffing or something along those lines to try to protect you. Yeah. If you don't, if you aren't sure if, you know, we're in there every, most days I can say that at my job, I can, the job that I have, the type of acuity that I have, the nurse to patient ratio that I have, actually that I've probably always had as a nurse, I can say that I am in patients' rooms about every hour of every shift. And it'd be pretty rare to not, just because, you know, being an ICU nurse, you have one to two patients. So it's going to be really rare for me to not be able to be in both of my patients' room in every single hour. So I can, with confidence, chart, even if I have to wait till the end of the day, I know I was in the in and out of that patient, those patients' rooms all day long. So I can chart, you know, that I rounded on my patients hourly, you know. If you're thinking, I'm really not sure, you can do what Erica just said and leave a note, a narrative note at the end of your shift that says, I rounded on my patients as I was able to, according to the number of patients I have or whatever is, whatever matches the situation and the circumstances that you had. You know, you can make your narrative note say, you know, picture or mirror what actually happened during your shift, that you adequately and appropriately took care of your patient as you were able to, according to your staffing assignment, you know, however you need to say it, that basically says, I did the very best I could to take care of these people. I have seen nurses even get in trouble legally because they chart all of their AM assessments, say, for example, at 8 a.m. And maybe they had four or five patients and the attorney will get them on that and push them into a corner. How could you have possibly been assessing all five of your patients at 8 a.m.? Of course you couldn't. Of course you did one at 7.30 and you did one at 8.30 and in between, but you charted them all at 8 a.m., you know? So, and I've had this conversation with a couple of nurses over the years, and what I think that should be established at these hospitals is an understanding that if you chart at eight o'clock around, you're charting, you know, patient in bed, three side rails up, bed completely lowered, blah, 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 you know, call light within reach, 
personal belongings within reach, blah, 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 everything, you know, no need, all needs met. If you chart that at seven o'clock on all patients, it means that you were in all your patient, you were in that patient's room at some point in the seven o'clock hour. Now, if, if that's not defined in some way, the, the hospital should have your back on that. Now, do they? Lord, I don't know. But it should because that's what that's the way they set their charting up. And it, anybody can see that's the way their charting is set up for you to do. So if, if your chart, like if you go and document it, if a lot of the system like Epic, if you gra- if it says, here's your required documentation and you go to do your head to toe assessment, it's going to put it at seven o'clock. It just puts it at seven o'clock, you know, so you can either change it or you can just document it at seven o'clock. And that was my, my shift assessment. So I feel like that could be, um, it's something that could be argued that this is a known standard in the profession that if you document something within the hour, at the top of the hour, that means I did it at some point within the hour. But I would love to get into this with our legal nurse consultant expert that's coming to the CreatorCon because I feel I wonder what he would say about that. Because I feel like there's probably a lot of stuff that I do that I don't even, I'm assuming is okay. And in reality, an attorney or a, or a legal nurse consultant would be like, stop doing that. Because, like, we'll continue to monitor. How many nurses do we know that mm-hmm. puts we'll continue to monitor? Apparently, oh, that's yeah. a terrible... A times. Yeah, and apparently it's yeah. not supposed to do it. It's a terrible thing to say. Stop saying that, guys. I don't want to go into why, but let me just suffice it to say that I've heard from enough legal people that you're not supposed to say that. So, anyway, another story that I wanted to talk about for our Good Nurse segment is not... she's a, it, She wasn't fired that I know of, but I wanted to talk about this TikTok nurse who faced a lot of backlash after posting a video of herself reacting after her patient died. And I, I know a lot of you, if you're on TikTok at all, you had to have seen this. She posted this video. It went viral. She was working at, at a hospital and put the cap, caption, lost a patient today, and then was like, obviously very emotional, distraught, I'm not even going to say her name just because she's already gotten so much negative backlash over it. I don't want her to get any more. I feel like, Erica, there our culture has gotten to where you can't do anything that and not get canceled. I don't know. How do you feel about this? People are very upset about this. Very, very upset. The video itself did not bother me at all. I don't even think that it's that unique. I've seen plenty of nurse creators do similar things and they want to really get into, well, did it even happen that day? Did it happen at all? None of that mattered to me. I thought the video itself was fine. It was not inappropriate. What was inappropriate was that she did it at work. She's clearly at work. And that goes back to what I was talking about earlier. You You cannot, in this day and age, there's almost nowhere that doesn't have a social media policy preventing you from doing that, even if it's your lunch break, even if it's after you've clocked out. You are on company property and you are making a social media video. That is inappropriate. They could easily fire her for that alone. That was just a fundamentally poor decision but the video itself was fine. It was fine. I think it was, it depicted how nurses feel in these situations. And, you know, cancel culture is, 
it's out of control. It's out of control. Like this is not a reason to cancel someone, you know? Yeah. I think that people looked at it and they were just like, oh, she's trying to get attention. She's trying to make it all about her. I personally think that she was just trying to explain what nurses go through and that, and how hard it is for nurses. Like what you see as a family member and a patient is us putting on our game face and having to compartmentalize and go in there and do our job and be professional at the bedside and when we're dealing with you. But when we step away from that and we have, you know, say we have, if depending on, you know, are you know, working in an ICU and you've got two patients working in a step down, and you've got three to four, whatever, and one one of your patients passes away, you have to literally step out of there and go take care of your other patients. You have you may have spent 30 minutes to an, hour, to an hour doing chest compressions, coding a patient, pushing meds, trying to save their lives, dealing with family in a horrible, horrible, heavy emotional situation, and then go into your another patient's room and then upset with you because you didn't bring them a Sprite or, and, you know, you're, you have to switch gears. It is, it's, it takes an emotional toll sometimes. And I think that's what she was trying to convey. I don't think she was trying to make it about her. It, this is what we do. On, so we get on social media and we try to, you know, say, hey, this is what we go through. We're just trying to be real. And I, I just think that's all she was trying to do. And man, people really gave her a hard time for it. I swear. I'm just like, you can't win. <laughs> that's what it they feels like. They overreacted. They really did. It wasn't, it wasn't that deep. <laughs> yeah. Know? I've seen a million videos like that, but for some reason they just... I know I've seen I've there's literally I know I've seen a meme of a doctor like crouched down on the it looks like maybe like right outside of the hospital like up against a concrete wall or something after you know real emotional kind of like hands over his head emotional look on his face like looking down and it said something like you know this doctor just lost a patient like and everybody's all about that you know because. It's, I don't know, maybe it's because it's a doctor, maybe it's because it wasn't him actually posting it, I don't know. But then again, how did the picture get taken? I don't know. It's just like, I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing awareness to these things because it it helps people understand that healthcare professionals, not just nurses, not just doctors, anybody that is working in this environment, we have to deal with a lot of heavy emotional stuff and it takes its toll after a while and we need you know, we need assistance for it. We need people, we need support from our employers. We are not getting it. We're absolutely not no, getting we're not. it. No, and we need an outlet somewhere. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for our stories. I wanted to, I th- thought this was kind of a fun thing for us to do. Just kind of talk about some of these stories that that happen that I see all the time when I'm looking up the true crime stories and, and looking up good nurse stories. And I see these come up all the time. And I'm like, they're not necessarily, you know, this big, long drug out story that you can talk about for, you know, 30 minutes, but I feel like they're worth bringing up and talking about and bringing awareness to these individual issues because they're important for us, you know, working in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the reality is that nurses, unfortunately, are retaliated against sometimes and terminated for things that don't really warrant it. You know, retaliation, as I always say, is very real and common in the nursing profession. So 
Sometimes it's warranted, but a lot of the time it's not. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we have to be careful when we're doing our jobs, be professional. But again, don't be afraid to speak up if we see something that's wrong. We have to maintain our integrity and our professionalism. And sometimes we just have to walk that line. You know, there's a balance there, unfortunately. It's not an easy job. It's not an easy profession, but it's definitely one of the most rewarding. Well, thank you so much for hosting another episode with me. I appreciate it always. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Remind everybody where they can find you. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the Nurse Erica YouTube as well. You can find me on Facebook at Just Nurse Erica. And I also just started my own tiny little podcast, nowhere near as impressive as Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. It's got two whole episodes, <laughs> and it's also the Nurse Erica. And it is on Anchor and Spotify. Awesome. Awesome. I'll have to listen to that. And you guys know that you can find me at goodnursebadnurse.com at our website. You can email me at tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. And I'm on all social media at goodnursebadnurse. And don't forget to go to nursecreatorcon.com to get your tickets to come to see us in Austin, or you can come virtually, we would love to have you. And we so appreciate our companies that are helping to pay for this event. Echo, the wonderful device that you attach to stethoscopes that I use every single time I work at the bedside. It is amazing. This audio enhancer, you literally can hear everything with this thing. Thank you so much to Echo for helping to support this event and CBD Stat with their amazing products. Love them. They support our podcast and they're also helping to support this event. Love your product. They Their CBD product is some of the absolute purest CBD out there. And it's truly amazing some of the the things that it can do that I know that I use it for. It helps, I know it helps my, some of my friends use it for headaches. I personally use it for foot pain. It helps with some people with their back pain. It's truly an amazing product and they are so good to healthcare professionals. I so appreciate them. They support us so much. Such a good company. You know, I was able to use their product for the first time after you and I returned from Washington, D.C. for the Nurses March. They provided me with some samples, and I used it on a sore knee and then later on a sore wrist, and it helped so much. My daughter even uses it on her back for her scoliosis, and it really does help. That's amazing. I keep hearing different people tell me of different ways that they use it, and I... It's just an amazing product, and I love the company. The people that, that run the company are so good to healthcare professionals, so I just appreciate them. I appreciate them so much, and the product is so good. So, Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode, and of course, I want to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. Mm-hmm.